Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning in person or online. Welcome to New Hope Community Church. It is always good to be together. As we are into our new year, we're into our new series called Goodbye, Hello. Basically, hey, goodbye 2020, hello 2021, right? I mean, all of us have been happy to say goodbye to something and hello to something else, even if it's maybe unknown, right? I remember back in 1992, I was happy to say goodbye to four years of working on my master's degree, graduating from school, and hello to a job position in ministry somewhere. And that's the the picture, the story we see in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament of two women, Naomi and Ruth, who are saying goodbye to difficulty, to a season of difficulty, and hello to a new future. Last week, we talked about what they were saying goodbye to, and we looked at the setting, and the setting was they were in a period of extreme famine, extreme disobedience from God. And in that, God brought this incredible famine. Upon the famine, we understood their sorrow as women. Naomi lost her husband who died. She had two sons. Both her sons ended up dying. She was left with two daughter-in-laws who were both foreigners, Moabites. Neither one of them, after 10 years of marriage, had any children at all, which was rare in that culture and was really a time of shame in that culture as well. And so we have these three widows in a land of famine who are very vulnerable as widows, but yet they have this sliver of hope because Naomi heard that back where she grew up, Bethlehem, that God showed up to her people and was providing food. And so we see today that they are heading back to Bethlehem. So the women head to Bethlehem, a place where Naomi knew, but Ruth did not. So have you ever said hello to a place or a situation that was unknown to you? We all have, right? In 1992, I said hello. My wife said hello to a place, to a situation that we had never been to. And it's called Cambridge, Minnesota. That's what we said hello to back in 92 as we left our season of school, which was hard and difficult, and said hello to the unknown. So in essence, when we are enter a new year, we are saying, really, hello to the unknown. We are uncertain of the scenarios or the situations that are going to be ahead of us over this new year, right? I mean, nobody said hello to 2020 knowing that the scenario of COVID-19 was going to be upon us. And so this new year, we do the same. We're saying hello to the unknown of 2021. 
But this is what we see as far as Ruth's life when she said hello to heading back to Bethlehem with Naomi. Let me remind you of what was happening in the story a little bit, okay? So Naomi, Ruth, and Oprah are heading back to Bethlehem. So Naomi and then her two daughter-in-laws are heading back. And Naomi says to them, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? She's saying, hey, return home to your family in Moab. Stay here. Why come with me? Am I going to have any more sons to become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought I could still have another husband and give birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up so you could marry them? So she was just encouraging and encouraging them. Go back to your people. Go back. Stay in Moab to your people. Don't come with me. And so it says, at this they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. And she said, hey, I'm out of here. But Ruth clung on to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people, her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you will go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried, she says. And so Ruth makes this commitment to Naomi to, first of all, go to a place that is unknown. First of all, this unknown place, right? Ruth 1.16, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. I love that picture we get. I mean, we have to understand that people didn't travel all over the place in those days in that culture. It's not like today where we're all out and about at Airbnbs or, or on vacation or we've, we've traveled extensively, or at least in the United States. In those days, they just, just say, hey, where do you want to go for the weekend? Up to Duluth? You know, I mean, it wasn't that kind of a deal. Travel was very difficult for them. And so Ruth didn't know what it was like in Bethlehem. Matter of fact, Bethlehem was on the total opposite side of the Dead Sea, okay? And to get there, these ladies had to walk 50 miles. You see where Moab is, you see where Bethlehem is, they had to walk 50 miles. And you're thinking, wow, 50 miles, big deal. 50 miles is roughly from here, Cambridge, to St. Cloud, is roughly 50 miles, okay? And you're thinking, well, no big deal. But the challenge they had is, one, that the terrain from Moab around to Bethlehem was mountainous terrain. It was rugged. It was difficult. It was up and down. They were traveling by foot. We're talking widows here. It's famine. There's poverty going on. It wasn't like they had these nice camels that were really packed. They were two widows, which made them incredibly vulnerable. Once they got up towards the plains of Moab, 
Jericho, they had to figure out how to get across the Jordan River and then into Bethlehem. So it was no easy task. And as they were going, Ruth had never been there, had never been to that place. Yet this is what she was saying hello to, the unknown. Back in 92, Sherry and I said hello to the unknown place, Cambridge, Minnesota. Matter of fact, they kept sending us information for about five months, and we kept throwing it out. Why? We never lived in a small town, never even heard of Cambridge before, never been there, right? Didn't know what it was like. Matter of fact, when we were coming up finally to interview, just to really get them off our backs, we looked at a map, and it was like an aerial map of Cambridge, and we said, well, it looks like they got this state forest right off a town there. That'd be sort of sweet. And when we got into town, we were trying to find it. And at the interview, we were like, man, we were looking for the state forest and all that. And I showed them the map and they said, oh, that's an old map. That's now the neighborhood of Goldenwood. You know, so I, was, so I, I mean, I just had no clue uh, of the area. It was an unknown place. But secondly... Ruth was saying hello to an unknown people, an unknown people. She knew Naomi, but that is it. She was going back to a place, to Bethlehem, where she knew nobody else. In Ruth 1, 16, 17, your people shall be my people now. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. You know what? She didn't know anyone specifically back in Bethlehem, but she probably did know some of the history between Israel and the Moabites, and none of it was good. None of it was good. They were at odds with one another. Israel, while journeying to the promised land, defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, in Numbers 21. Fearing a similar fate, the Moabite king Balak hired a prophet Balaam to bring a curse against Israel. But God showed up and reversed the curse so that Israel was blessed and the Moabites were cursed. But because of this scenario, we read in Deuteronomy 23 that God would not allow a Moabite in his presence, in the assembly of the people, because of that situation. So obviously, that incident overshadowed the relationship between these two nations. Secondly, Israel disobeyed God by marrying Moabite spouses. We see that Naomi and her husband, because of famine, left Bethlehem area, Judea area, and went to Moab, where years ago there were food, but now there was famine. Their two sons married Moabite women, which was detestable to the Lord. It wasn't okay. God commanded Moses to stamp out the Moabite influence because they were intermarrying 
with the people that he said, do not. He said, take all the chiefs of the people, hang them in the sun before the Lord that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. That's how hot he was towards Israel for intermarrying with the Moabite people. Why? Because they would pull them away from the true and living God to worship false idols, to worship their God, Chemosh, which means destroyer. Thirdly, we see that as we continue to look at the history and the events between Israel and the Moabites, we see that the Moabites formed an alliance with the Ammonites and the Amalekites in the period of Judges, which the story of Ruth is in. And those armies came against Israel and defeated Israel and put them into captivity. And it wasn't until Israel screamed out and humbled themselves before God that God then sent a leader, a judge, to save them out of their predicament. And so we see this picture that, hey, Israel and Moab, they don't play well together. There's not great history there. These examples point to the fact that Moab and Israel have a troubled relationship. So with this history and Ruth's identity as a Moabite going to Bethlehem, she would for sure be seen as an outsider or at worst, an enemy. And so she's saying goodbye to her tough situations in Moab and same place as a Moabite going into a place of Jewish people. And I don't know about you, but when we moved to Cambridge, Minnesota, we found out pretty darn quick, you ain't from here, are you? We, we didn't know anybody. We weren't related to anybody. And in smaller towns, you find out you ain't from here, right? I've run into people that have lived here 10 years, 20, they're still like, oh man, I feel, still feel like an outsider. Not, not in, whatever. And we get that feeling, right? What's interesting as well in that culture in that time is that people always wanted to be buried as well in their homeland. So when Ruth makes this statement, your people will be my people and I will die where you die, and be buried there, it was an incredible statement of commitment of saying, hey, I am going to say hello to whatever the unknown is. We get this example in Genesis 47, 29 of Jacob and his son Isaac. It says, at, this time, at the time of his death, Jacob called for his son Joseph and said to him, please do me this favor. Put your hand under my thigh and swear that you will treat me with the unfailing love by honoring this last request. Do not bury me in Egypt. Don't bury me in Egypt. Bury me back in Canaan, my land, my people, my God. It was the custom of the day. And how amazing for Ruth to make this commitment to say hello to this unknown place to this unknown people and to as well 
give up even where she would be buried. This, this commitment of, hey, being buried there meant that your people truly are now my people. They are mine. You know, I remember burying my parents in Madison, Wisconsin. I grew up there till I was 12. But then we lived in Milwaukee. They lived in Milwaukee. Then they lived up in northern Wisconsin. Then they were in Florida for 15 plus years or whatever. Then they were back and that. But where did they want to be buried? Where they, they started life in Madison, where they felt like those are our people in Madison, Wisconsin and that. And so it just was natural. It's natural. And so we see this incredible commitment from Ruth to say goodbye to the troubled past, but hello yet to the unknown. Very similar when we say hello to a new year. And so she says hello to a place unknown, a people unknown, but thirdly then to an unknown God. In Ruth 1, 16, 17, she says, and your God will be my God. This was more than just a change of address. Ruth was willing to forsake the Moabite gods she grew up with and embrace the God of Israel. This would be as a uh, Muslim growing up, worshiping Muhammad and recognizing that Jesus is the true and living God and making that transition. For a Muslim to do that, when they do that, their family considers them dead and oftentimes tries to kill them to make sure they are dead. And so for Ruth to reject the gods that she grew up with from her people was an incredible commitment and to turn and to pursue Naomi's God, the true and living God, the one God over all the earth was an amazing statement and commitment of pursuing the unknown. It's incredible. And what we could speculate here is that Ruth saw something in Naomi's life that attracted her to her being willing to pursue this unknown God that Naomi worshipped. Because even in Naomi's difficult life of losing her husband, her two sons die, no grandchildren, she still calls God God and pursues him regardless. Even though in chapter one, we read that she says, God has made my life devastating. She still recognizes that he is alive and well because he is meeting the needs of his people back in Bethlehem. And so they are going to go back and pursue her God. And so Ruth is saying hello to this unknown place, unknown people, unknown God. And then lastly, as we read in those short verses, an unknown oath. In Ruth 1, 17, 18, it says, the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. 
So Naomi is trying to say, go, go back to your people. But Ruth says, no, I am making a commitment to say hello to a place unknown, a people unknown, a God unknown, and I am making this unknown oath. I don't know what it's all going to be like, but I'm making this promise, this oath to you that nothing will part us except death. You know, in America, oath takers raise their right hands, right? Place the left hand on the Bible and make this oath to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. We make promises to do something, whether it's repay a debt or to do a service to others. But oftentimes they are light commitments. This was not the norm 4,000 years ago in the land of Canaan. As we see in the Old Testament, oaths and vows were taken extremely seriously. One's word was truly their bond. The oaths were important and often were established and founded on God. And so what has she said? The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. We see a picture of this in Genesis 24, 3 and 4 when Abraham is asking his servant to go back to his homeland to find his son Isaac, a wife. And Abraham said to his servant, I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. He was calling his servant to make this oath, but then for God to put the stamp on it and to hold him ultimately accountable to it. And that's what Ruth was doing in her commitment to going with Naomi to this unknown place, people, God. She was saying, listen, I'm making this unknown oath. I have no idea coming ahead, what it'll be like, but I am making this incredible commitment and asking your God to stamp the approval and to hold me accountable. An incredible picture of an individual who says goodbye to the past, but embraces by saying hello to the unknown. And this is our challenge. This is our opportunity when it comes to a new year. To say goodbye to the past, but embrace and say hello to the unknown of this next year. Who knows in the room if we will end up in an unknown place among an unknown people. Preferably not an unknown God because God says, where you go, I go. I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's this great quote I have over my desk. It says this, when it comes to change, And every new year is going to bring change in certain areas of our life. But it says this, change is hard 
because people overestimate the value of what they have and underestimate the value of what they may gain by giving that up. Did you get that? Change is hard because people overestimate the value of what they have and underestimate the value of what they may gain by giving that up. And so we hold on to the past. But yet we have this incredible example of Ruth who is willing to embrace the unknown of the future and to walk into it. You know, years ago, back in 1992, I was that guy who said, God, I'll go anywhere but a small town. I was that guy. Why? Because I had never been to a small town. I had lived in communities that were typically 200,000 plus people. And what did I know about small town? I just drove through them once in a while. And so I just assumed I knew what was best or what I was willing to do. But yet God worked it out that this is where I would be. And we embraced the unknown place, the unknown people, and even somewhat the unknown God. This church has Baptist roots. I was hired at First Baptist in Cambridge. I had never been a Baptist. I had hung out with one Baptist in my life, one that I knew in Milwaukee. I think there was only one, you know. That was it, but I grew up Catholic. And so even it was a new day, a different deal. But yet it has been fabulous. And God knows our future. And so I encourage you to embrace the unknown, walk forward, whether it's a new place, new people. Because God goes before you and is with you. And so look forward to this year and to what God will do in your life. Stay before him. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and during this time of prayer and fasting because we have a whole year ahead of us that's unknown but known to you. And so direct our steps, teach us, show us the way we should go. Help us to embrace what you have for us. May we trust in you in it, Lord God. And through our time of prayer and fasting, may you reveal to us more and more your desires for us. In your holy name, amen.